0: It's the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn
1: Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Daniel Gallon. Happy December, Penn State football fans. I'm Bob Flounders. It's the Blue White Breakdown podcast. Joining me, looking forward to this, Daniel Gallon, a Penn State beat writer like myself on the beat for Penn Live. Been doing it all year, doing a great job. Dave Jones, let's just say Dave Jones is on another assignment, Daniel. We could, I think we can live with that, and it's not untrue. You never know what he's doing in downtown, but it's you and me. There's always Penn State news to talk about. Uh, I think we're probably going to lead with the all Big Ten teams that are now, I think, in the books. The offense, as we tape this, Daniel, has just been uh, announced by the Big Ten. First of all, I hope you're doing well. I know it's been a bit of a rushed morning for you. But uh looking forward to talking with you. And I think we're gonna be doing it. You and I are gonna be doing a podcast uh once a week in the offseason as well. I'm really looking forward to that. But how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Uh I hope the listeners are ready for twice as much me uh during the week. You <laughs> get me on on Fridays with Dustin, and now I'll be uh earlier in the week with you. So uh I'm I'm excited to be here and ready to to talk some more Penn State football.
1: All right. Double the pleasure with Daniel Gowan. Why not? All right, Daniel. So we, we we are gonna get to the defensive team, but that news is is not stale. But I am this is probably there's some Penn State fans that aren't completely aware of who was represented by Penn State, but let's go through the Penn State guys on uh the offense. Obviously, Jahan Dotson was one of not only one of the best players in the Big Ten, one of the best players in the country. Sure to be a very early draft selection next April. Daniel, what can you tell me about him? And were there any other guys? on the first and second teams for Penn state. So Johan Dotson
0: was the only Penn state player to make a first or uh second team for the all big 10 offense. And mm-hmm. I think for anyone who watched the yeah. Penn state offense this year, that that's not much of a surprise. Um, yeah. I was trying to, to do a little work ahead a little bit, do a little brainstorming and outside of Dotson uh, that was the only guy who I think performance wise uh merited all big 10 selection that high you had a couple other guys that I think ended up getting votes based on reputation um yeah. but you look at Dotson first teamer for the media second teamer by the coaches uh, for all big 10 uh the D- David Bell was consensus by both media uh the Purdue wide receiver both media sure. and the coaches he was mm-hmm. the big 10 wide receiver of the year I don't think that's a surprise. And then Chris Alave, uh got voted uh, first team by the coaches. Uh, Garrett Wilson was second team by the coaches. Jackson Smith and Jigbo was third team by the media uh, and third team by the coaches. And then Jaden Reed uh, from Michigan State was third team for both. So I think obviously you yeah. look at the Big Ten wide receiver picture this year. It's you're splitting hairs. Um, yeah. I think especially... Especially with these types of awards where you're trying to balance production um with kind of the versus the prospect, where Dotson's mm-hmm. production is better than Olave's, but in some people's eyes, Olave yeah. might be a better wide receiver. Garrett Wilson might be a better wide receiver. I don't really have a, a problem with kind of how that shakes out. I mean, I do think that eye test wise, Dotson was okay. such a magnetic player, uh, and such a gravitational player, but no surprise that he gets uh, at least a, you know, he makes one first team uh, for all big 10. He was a third teamer by both the media and the coaches last year. So unsurprising there. And for a conference that's known for kind of ground and pound and it's running backs. I mean, the wide receiver talent in the big 10 this year was, was absolutely great. And especially when you factor in a guy like Dante Dimas from Maryland got hurt at the beginning of October. It's another talented guy that, isn't factoring in here. So that's kind of that's how it shook out, uh, in terms of kind of the the headliners, I think, for the offense.
1: Dotson was second team coaches. Is that right? All big 10 yeah. coaches? Yes. So, so the first team guys on the coaches ballot at wideout were Bell, Olave, and who was the third one? Just Bell and Olave. They're only oh, two they're like, wide receivers. Three. Okay. Yeah. So I think don't you think that's something maybe they want to think about? Maybe. The way that the game is played now, I mean with the spreads, maybe maybe it is time for three uh first team choices at wide out. The big ten is usually slow though, to do stuff like that I mean, I think even if you just bumped it out to twelve guys
0: um, yeah. for first team, just add the third wide receiver in there, still have the two running backs and the tight end i I don't think anyone would really have a problem with that
1: okay, let's go through it uh let me i'm gonna throw some uh first team names at you real quick. Uh, obviously I'm going to guess that the quarterback was Ohio State's CJ Stroud. The interesting thing for me was I had a vote, uh, by the way, if you think the, uh, way they handle it, uh, the all big 10 handles it, uh, with the release and how they, how they stagger it, you should try voting for this thing that the setup is it's, it's something I'll tell you. It's not, uh, it's not easy on the eyes. There's a lot of work to be done. And that's another thing they need to really think about moving forward. But I thought running back was an, Interesting position to name two of them. I've said all year and even going before the Ohio state Michigan game, Daniel, I thought Hassan Haskins was, was by far the best runner Penn state faced this season. I thought his performance at Beaver stadium in a very tight game. I, I, I mean, if he didn't do what he did, I mean, Michigan obviously is not going to win that game. Uh, got a lot of hard yards, got a lot of carries because Corum was out. He hurt them as a receiver in the passing game. Uh, but I also know there's Trevion Henderson and there's some other people. There's, there's that Wisconsin back, that true freshman. So I wasn't sure how that was going to shake out. I'm going to guess it was Henderson and Hassan Haskins, but I could, pro- I could probably be wrong on this. You're, you're missing the guy that we just saw over the weekends.
0: Uh, Kenneth Walker. Oh uh, my God,
1: I cannot believe I blanked <laughs> on him. Oh, that's <laughs> so, sad.
0: Haskins and Walker were the the consensus first team selections yeah. and then Henderson and Braylon Allen, who I think, in Dave Jones' has said, I have to mention that he was seventeen. Um, <laughs> that they were they were the two uh, consensus second team selections. Yeah, I
1: apologize to Kenneth Walker; that was bad oversight. It should have been. Yeah, I think they got it right. I think they got it right. I think Henderson, the Ohio State back, is is a is a great talent. But you know, aside from two carries in that game, and one was a big one against Penn State, he had to work for his yards. And I thought Haskins did a lot more. Uh, He was a a more physical player, good for him. And then he validated, you know, his first team selection with what he did against Ohio State. I know there's a lot of love for Tyler Lindebaum in the uh, college football world. I know he was a first team selection on the offensive line, Daniel. I'm sure it was unanimous, both uh, media and coaches. Any other other news on the offensive line that kind of first and second team that kind of caught your eye?
0: No, not really. I think that you see kind of the the familiar names. Uh you've got a couple Ohio State guys uh in there, Munford, Petit Frere, the guy from Wisconsin, uh Seltzner, and then the the big Minnesota tackle. Um, Daniel. I'm not gonna try to pronounce his last name. But yeah, I mean, we saw some pretty good offensive line play um this this season. I have the I have an all big ten vote for the AP. And I got to complete my ballot this weekend. So I think I'm going to be diving into some, yeah. some highlights and, and trying to look at some of these guys because offensive line play, you're really splitting hairs there. I think it's uh, yeah. easier, to, easier to see the guys that aren't doing their jobs because that's yeah. a, lot, a lot more noticeable <laughs> than sometimes than the
1: guys who are doing their jobs, unless it's someone pretty spectacular. Yeah, and since you saw the Penn State offensive line play, play a lot, not doing their jobs, I think that phrase probably fits uh your description of some of the line play you saw so no Michigan guys on the first team, no Michigan offensive, or was there one?
0: uh none on the coaches, and then for the media uh Andrew
1: Stuber, okay uh, yeah. made it. I'm glad at least one of those guys made it. I'm sure they had some representation, excuse me, on the second team all right, so were at, who were the Penn State guys, if anything, that were third team selections so we can look at that.
0: So Rashid Walker, uh, was yeah. a third team selection, uh, by the media. He was honorable mention according to the coaches mm-hmm. and then, uh, no one else made first, second or right. third team, uh, Sean Clifford, honorable mention for both coaches and media, which I think given kind of the, the step forward that he took this year, I, I think that's deserved I did think it was overall, I did think the quarterback uh, selection was interesting. Um, Aiden O'Connell uh, was the second team selection uh, by mm-hmm. both the coaches and the media. Obviously, I didn't get the chance to watch a lot of Purdue this year, given how they kind of rotated those quarterbacks sometimes. Yeah. Um, I thought that was interesting. And then Cade McNamara, um, I think deservedly was the, yeah. the third teamer. After Clifford, uh, Juice Scruggs, honorable mention uh, for both coaches and media. Brenton Strange, the tight end, honorable mention for media. I think that was deserved. Um, and then Mike Miranda uh, was honorable mention um, for the media, too. He was a second team selection this year. Um, obviously, had some struggles uh, here yeah. and there. Um, yeah, but so, yeah,
1: last year, second team, all Big Ten guard. Walker got a little love, I think, on the third team. I think he might have made one of the third teams. But, you know, Daniel, it just really, I, I, I hate to keep, you know, beating the drum, but the, the, the play of Penn State's offensive line was a was a big factor, and as they slowly, slowly worked their way away from that unbeaten start and lost five of their last seven. I mean, the offensive line play, Daniel, was not good. Miranda, Miranda and Walker, I just really thought, man, they're going to build off what they did in 2020, and they're going to, you know, they got Noah Kane back, and you know, I was really excited about Kevon Lee and Kaziah Holmes, and to see what happened, it was really. It was startling to me, Daniel, how poorly uh, this 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 group played, underperformed. I know late in the season there were probably some illness and injury issues, but I, I just don't know, Daniel, how the line got so bad in one year. The, the big change was was Mike Yersuch, and James is not so subtly hinted that he's got to keep reminding uh, Mike to not abandon the run. I don't know how much of that had an impact, but – if you're James Franklin and you see these guys take some step steps back, what do you think he might be thinking about? I know recruiting is the priority now. He's got signing day coming up, December 15th, but you know, he's not been one if he's unhappy, he's not been one to to waste time. So in your mind is is the way that the offense struggled is is there somebody that might be held accountable or do you think that James believes you know, Trout, Phil Troutline's is entering his third year. Your is in his second year. Jaywan Sider is a, regarded as a really good recruiter. Would you be surprised if somebody was sent packing?
0: Uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. I guess, yeah. a, I guess in, at this point in college football, nothing really surprises yeah. you uh, anymore with kind of move, moves on the coaching front. I do think that you have to reevaluate and figure yeah. out how to get all of this on the same page. I don't know if it was Troutline and Yersic, whatever they wanted to happen, not yeah. being on the same page, Cider and Yersic, like whatever combination yeah. you want to choose. I think it was pretty clear that things were, were not on, just not in rhythm this year. You were right. I mean, the regression of guys like Miranda and Walker this year was pretty startling. Um, I don't necessarily know where that came from. But I think that this off season, that that really has to be a priority offensive line running back and and to get it going.
1: Usually when a coach gets a nice little extension and the fan base is unhappy and the numbers back up, the fan base is unhappiness. I mean, if you look around the country, somebody usually has to fall on the sword. I don't know that James Franklin will do that. I wouldn't be surprised if someone does go do you think James Franklin may just lean to lean towards keeping these guys together? Or do you think he's just going to have some hard conversations with all of his offensive assistants and say, look, this is what we need to be doing. If you don't agree with me, you need to tell me now.
0: Yeah, I think that they need to figure out how to get everyone on the same page, whether that means needing to do a personnel change. I don't know. But I do think that you need to figure out what, what the combination was. Was it Troutline and Yursich that weren't on the same page? Was it Yursich and Cider that weren't on the same page? You need to figure out where the source of that disconnect was and then go from there. Um, I do think when you look at kind of the, the past couple of years um, under Franklin, kind of the, the turnover and upheaval that they've had um, at offensive line coach, add offensive coordinator um i think sean clifford referenced uh, the number of offensive coordinators that that he had at penn state Mm -hmm. after that game on on saturday i mean i think that you kind of got to decide all right right, do we lean on continuity and try to hope that this is going to get better or do we try to shake things up again so i think that those are kind of the the two options and both have pros both have cons
1: this is the blue white breakdown
0: Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a long-time patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical
1: marijuana and let our confidence become yours. The Brent Pry news, which obviously Dave and I talked about, Dave Jones and I talked about on an earlier Blue White Breakdown podcast. We can certainly do that. But I mean, Brent Pry always kind of flirts with, uh, you know, this is nothing new for him to be considered. um, But this was a high profile job and he's turned down some jobs that were not as as good as this job. But that one, you know, you just the minute you relax on the Brent Pry possibly leaving beat there, there he goes out the door. So I I have a funny feeling with the transfer portal coming and going with maybe uh, a couple of coaching changes possibly, and with recruiting all that stuff, the next five, six weeks, I think are going to be very interesting. I think got to be prepared for everything. I didn't even mention the bowl game announcement that's coming on Sunday, but we probably would be remiss not to talk a little bit about the all big 10 selections on defense. I'm much more familiar with those. Uh, As are you, you've been doing a great job of getting all that stuff out there on Penn Live. But Daniel, I I I thought it was a no-brainer that Arnold Ebiketti and Jaquan Brisker were going to be first team choices. That did come to pass. What did you make of Penn State's representation on the all Big Ten teams first, second, and third?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the Penn State defense was one of the best units in the big 10 and one of the best units in the country this year. And I think that that was accurately reflected in the voting from, from the coaches and the media. If you go through it uh, between first team, second team, third team, honorable mention 10 of Penn state's 11 starters um, all picked up some honor. And you have a really good case that maybe if the season was two weeks longer or something, Derek Tangelo uh, would have sure. been the 11th because he was playing at a, at a very high level um, down the stretch after PJ Mustafer went down. So Eviketti and Brisker on the first team, no brainers, like definitely uh, PJ Mustafer on the second team was a little bit surprising given that he played less than half of a season. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, that was voted on by the coaches. So I think that that's kind of uh, some respect for him and and the value that that he adds. Uh, Ellis Brooks, second teamer in the coaches vote, I think that 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 makes a lot of sense. He was very productive. Wasn't necessarily as as flashy as Brandon Smith and Curtis Jacobs. Smith was third team by the coaches, um, honorable mention by media, and Jacobs was honorable mention. Um, But I think Ellis Brooks was kind of, he was just consistent in the middle. And that's kind of what you want out of that job. Keep going down the list. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jair Brown uh, on the third team for the coaches. Uh, He had 56 solo tackles this year, which is a lot. I got a Joey Porter Jr. also made thirteen defense. I got a couple emails asking about that. Um, you know there were some struggles down the stretch. I think, Absolutely. and I don't think people were happy with the penalties. But I thought that his overall body of work this year was fine, and that obviously you got to get the penalties cleaned up. But I don't know. I mean, with corner playing cornerback today, whether it's in the NFL, college football, it's there's little like such little things. I think that. Like one of those pass interference calls against Michigan State, the guy just kind of stopped or slowed yeah. down and he ran yeah. into him.
1: And you yeah.
0: can't do that, but also, how do you get out of the way? Right.
1: Yeah. Those are correctable things. Those are correctable things, Daniel. He's in terms of they ask him that he, they allow him to play a lot of man to man. And I thought he's a physical player. And I, I, I still think that he's another guy, you know, you talk about guys, he could, you know, he's eligible for the draft, but I really think another year at Penn state would really, really help him. And James talked about correcting the grabs that, you know, getting grabby and I, you know, he, he takes that next step and, and can eliminate those penalties. You're talking about a terrific corner with great size, great size, great speed uh, and great length. Yeah, definitely.
0: I think that maybe like at the, at the halfway mark of the season. He looked like a guy that could definitely go, but I think down the stretch we kind of saw it where if he could kind of do the brisker thing where you come back and you go from day two or early day three to potential day one um, in the draft. And then to round out the rest of the the all big 10 guys, Jesse Lucchetta, uh, a third teamer, uh, an honorable mention, Tariq Castro Fields, honorable mention, and then Curtis Jacobs, like I already mentioned, um, as honorable mention. So, yeah, a lot of familiar names there, and a lot of
1: guys who made big plays this year. Yeah. Very happy for Jesse Lucetta, who really, I mean, he was a starter, but he wasn't. Tarburton played a lot. Nick Tarbert played a lot, but more often than not, Jesse came off the bench. He missed the game. I think he missed the Maryland game. Mm-hmm. So the production I thought was tremendous. His his versatility. His athleticism, uh, his leadership. He's come a long way. I remember him in the 2018 class with Micah. And I, I wasn't sure Jesse was ever gonna have an every down role just as an inside linebacker because they like, you know, those guys are freaks. I mean, they are they are physical freaks. It's not enough to be six, three, two fifty. You gotta move uh like you're a little bit lighter than that and credit credit to James Franklin and credit to Brent Pry for creating a role for him that will get him on the field more as essentially uh an outside linebacker in a three four who could kind of set the edge because he is his strength is one of the i think one of the 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 greater assets that he has i think and for him to accept that role and accept that you know he wasn't always going to be out there starting and he was going to be essentially in a little bit of a timeshare with Nick Tarburton, you know, a lot of kids, you know, don't handle that. Well, the transfer portal is always, you know, open. If you don't like what you hear, but Penn state was able to create a role for him. He was able to embrace it. He gets all big 10 recognition. Now he's going to the senior bowl. Uh, I'm very happy for him. I, I think he has exceeded, I think maybe his expectations at Penn state, just one quick thought on Brandon Smith you know his first eight games uh in big in the big 10 this year were literally first team or or second team all uh, all big 10 caliber he just uh the last the last few games he missed some tackles you you remember the 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 Haskins run on that flat pass He evaded him in the Michigan game. That was a key play. I missed a tackle. That was pretty critical. I think in the Michigan state game in the second half, that could have maybe gotten that defense off the field. They sound like small things. It was a lousy field. It was icy. Penn state fans uh, zero in on that, but I'm telling you athletically, he is, he is very close to being a tremendous player. I know he's already on the NFL radar. I'll be curious to see what he does because you know, it's one thing for the media and even the big 10 coaches, to view him in one in one way, but as we said last year, Jahan Dawson led the Big Ten in receiving yards, and he was a third team All Big Ten pick. So I'll be curious to see what kind of feedback maybe he gets from the NFL if he's tempted to leave. And I'll be, if he does come back, it's great for Penn State. But I'm just wondering how he and his family are going to view maybe this this third team selection. Um, but he, I just wish the consistency just wasn't there down the stretch.
0: James Franklin kind of mentioned it with the defense in general, with the missed tackles is that yeah. there was kind of a lot of hitting and not a lot of wrapping up. And you look at some of those Brandon Smith missed tackles where if he connects on the hit, they're big highlight real plays. Right. Uh, but instead they turn into offensive gains. And I think that that's kind of the, the next step for him uh, is, is consistency, but the flashes are there yeah. and he's a former five-star. So he's been kind of on this trajectory. Yeah. The type of athlete that he is, I think, will be really, really appealing yeah. uh, for, for NFL scouts. So that's an interesting one to watch. Um, I think I mean, that it it's difficult sometimes when when you can't square the production with, with the physical tools that you see. Yeah. But at the same time, the NFL, I mean, they're mostly mm-hmm. looking for potential and projection. And I yeah. think that Brandon Smith projects very well.
1: Yeah. I, what I would like to see Penn State do with him is I think Brandon is at his best when he's moving forward. You know, closer to the box, whether it's a run blitz or even a pass rush or a loop, I mean, he can he can certainly cover, but I think that that's not necessarily what he's good at. If you look at some of the tackles he missed, uh, the two big ones I mentioned, Michigan State and Michigan, I think he was in pass coverage in both of those, and I just don't know if maybe that's you know you look at um, you look at what Micah Parsons is now doing with with Dallas. He's at the line of scrimmage. You know, he's either he's either pass rushing as an end. He's in the box once in a while. They use him to cover, but I just think that with Brandon Smith, I think the more they have him doing closer to the line of scrimmage, I think the more impact he's going to make. I wonder if he would come back, if you would see maybe a more, uh, a different looking Brandon Smith uh, in 2022 with an with an emphasis on blitzing and, and, and even pass rushing late in Micah's career, at Penn State, they turned him loose in that in the Cotton Bowl against Memphis. You know, at the end of his second year, and the results were just astounding. And he was he's kind of just been able to build on that. That's my Brandon Smith uh, rant for now. But Daniel, as we kind of wrap up the Blue White Breakdown podcast, I, I know you're going to talk a, a little, probably a little bit about this with Dustin Hawkins Smith when you guys do yours a little bit later in the week. Because I know you delve quite a bit into the recruiting as we get closer to signing day with no Brent Pry. Should the Penn State fans be concerned at all about, you know, I, I don't think that they I don't think they should. I don't think that any Penn State verbals are are thinking about, you know, leaving because Brent's Brent Pry is not there. How, how do you look at that?
0: Yeah, I kind of look at it at it similarly. I mean, this class has been together for so long yeah. and seems to be pretty tight that I mean, there's always the chance that there's going, going to be movement that's just kind of the the nature of the beast that's the nature of this business um so it wouldn't be a surprise if there's a little bit of shuffling down the stretch but i think that when you look at kind of the guys on uh the penn state staff that are kind of the the game changers i think that that's more terry smith jawan Sider, um maybe taylor stubblefield those are the guys that um i think do a lot a lot of heavy lifting and kind of really define uh, the recruiting and, and putting the class together. So obviously there's a chance a guy could have had a really close connection uh, with Brent Pry. There's a chance that he saw this defense. That's the defense that, that he wanted to play in. But I think that the way that this class was constructed when it was constructed and how it's stuck together, I think that there's not really running the risk of a, of a raft of decommitments uh, in the next two weeks.
1: Yeah, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see what James does with uh, you know, because when you replace Brent Pry, you're replacing a guy who wore a lot of hats at Penn State, you know. James Franklin wears 10 as the CEO. You know, I you can make a case of Brent Pry wore 5 or 6, you know, he was he was James's confidant. You know, they they had a great relationship. He was, you know, a recruiter, he was the linebackers coach. He was, you know, he was the coordinator. If you're the coordinator, you really got to know everything about the defense, the back end, the cor- all of it. So it's a pretty critical hire, I think, for, for James. And I'll be curious to see who he picks. But if you pick a defensive coordinator, your next defensive coordinator, if he doesn't have any experience coaching linebackers, that could potentially be a problem. I wonder how he's going to attack this issue because I know that Joe Lorig, I think on his, his title at Penn state, he, co- he's the special teams coordinator, but I think he also has a, he's also the coach of the outside linebackers. I don't know if that's still the case. Maybe there's a way that you could have him just coach the linebackers. If James chooses just to go with a defensive coordinator that does not have experience with linebackers. I just thought of that at the last second. Cause I was like, how is he going to solve? Oh, wait, Joe Lorig <laughs> coach linebackers. Duh. Maybe that's the fix. I wanted to ask you one if you had any thoughts at all on what, pet, what you think Brett might do. And also my other question to you is where are you going to fit in time to play that guitar that's behind your left over your left shoulder uh, under the pennant? Don't think you don't think you could sneak that behind the plant. <laughs> Don't you dare try and I can't believe James Franklin didn't spy that uh, when he was asking you questions, but I see a guitar. Is there going to be any time this off season for you to play that guitar? So one, your thoughts on pride. two, can you, can you get some guitar time in?
0: Uh, I'll definitely be able to get some, some guitar time. in. that's, uh, that, that'll be more, I think maybe after the bowl game, more time for that. Um, but yeah, overall, I was thinking about this too, when we were talking about the, the Brandon Smith uh, talking about Brandon Smith as kind of, the role of these linebackers could really change um, depending on who the defensive coordinator yeah. is, depending who they bring in to coach the position. I know that James uh, highlighted it during a, one of the Wednesday nights talking about how Penn state played three linebackers more than a lot of other teams, especially right. and against kind of spread offenses with three wide receivers on the field. They'd keep three linebackers out there, line up Curtis Jacobs over the slot. And I thought that that was really interesting, especially I mean, I spent three years covering a Jim Schwartz defense that the base defense was essentially nickel for most of it. I mean, the, the third linebacker was kind of a, an afterthought. So I thought that that was really interesting. And I'm kind of interested to see if that, uh, if that continues, how that philosophy changes. Um, and then overall, I saw some of the comments people were making about Pry and kind of, uh, his defenses and that defensive style. It kind of reminded me, it actually did kind of remind me a little bit of Jim Schwartz uh in Philadelphia. I mean, I think Brent Pride was appreciated a little bit more than Schwartz was by the end, but there is an element of of competence there. There's an element of they yeah. know what they're doing. It might not necessarily work um all the time, but I think that it's kind of like you could do a lot worse than what's here. And there's only a slight chance that you you could really do better um in those positions. So you saw Penn state was kind of middle of the pack in terms of total defense, passing defense, rushing defense, but the red zone defense is at the top. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's what it's about.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the, and I, I get a lot of the same comments about Brent Pry. Look, is he, was he the best defensive coordinator in the big 10? No, he wasn't, but he was, his teams, I thought were always well-prepared. I thought one of the things that really worked against Brent Pry Was that, you know, other than 2016 and 2017, and I'll tell you exactly why Penn State fans still have not forgotten that 2016 season when they scored 49 points in the Rose Bowl and lost to USC because, and they had like a big lead in the fourth quarter, you know, and then, you know, the next year they're at Ohio State and they, they lose 39, 38 and they're up 15, I think, in the fourth quarter. Penn State fans have long memories and I think that kind of formed their opinion. Of pride, But recently, especially this year, I thought, you know, in today's game, Daniel, you're supposed to score in the 30s pretty easily. Like you're supposed to get into the mid 30s pretty easily, you know, occasionally in the 40s. James Franklin talked about that before he brought in, I think, Mike Yursich. And, you know, they never scored in the 30s without help from their defense, I think, this year uh, in, in the Big Ten. You know, they scored 28 against Auburn the way that the game is now and the way that the athletes are and the way that the rules are, it's just, you know, if you can't score in the thirties, I don't know that it's necessarily the defense's fault. If you lose some of these tight games, you lose 21, seven to twenty-one-seventeen 21, 17 to Michigan, you know, and the offense just can't do much. You lose 20 to 18 and nine overtimes to Illinois. Yeah. They gave up 357 rushing yards, but it was, they only gave up 10 points in regulation. So I just, I think that Brent pride deserved a little bit more, uh, appreciation. Um, he's not the flashiest of guys, but I, I think that die was cast in 16 and 17 on some people's opinions of Brent Pry. And I, I think moving forward, it doesn't really matter how good the defensive coordinator is at Penn state. If this offense can't score consistently in the mid thirties and big 10 games. Well said Bob. <laughs> All right. I know you got some guitar plucking to do. It's going to be an interesting weekend, Daniel. Thanks for, uh, Climbing on board this week as you're inaugural in your inaugural podcast with me in the off season. Fans, you can look for us. Uh Dave and I are going to do one. Dave Jones and I are going to do a Daniel and I'll do one. He's going to do one with, with Dustin Hockinsmith. The blue-white breakdown podcasts are never going away. They're never going to be very far from you. You can always find one of us uh ranting and raving, you know, on all the spots you can find our podcast: Spotify, Stitcher. I put up Pen Live posts. It's on YouTube. There's videos. You'd be crazy not to listen at least a couple times a week. All right, so that's it for now. Daniel's got to get going. I got to get going. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Pen Live.